Welcome to Deserted. Each episode, we welcome a guest into the customs office. There, they must decide which five items they want to take with them onto the deserted island. Five items, one island. This is Deserted. Joining me in the customs office this time is Chris Marshall. Chris runs CBRD, a wide-ranging website all about the British road network, which has taken up most of his free time for the last 16 years and proven surprisingly popular given its niche appeal, as well as photographing and writing about everything from surviving gas streetlights to the peculiarities of asset numbering on roadside equipment. He trawls archives and libraries to piece together untold stories about the things that have quietly shaped the way that we get around. He comes from Leeds originally, but has lived in London for the last 11 years, working in various technical roles to do with radio and steadily losing his accent. Time will tell on that. A national newspaper once described him as not at all geeky. Chris Marshall, welcome to the customs office. Thank you. Lovely to have you here. Um, You are going to be spending an indeterminable amount of time on a desert island and you have five items to get past the customs office to take with you onto that island to help you while away the time and stay mentally healthy. They are a website, a podcast, a Twitter feed, a book and a gadget or device. Not the usual things that you take to an island, but that's the premise of the programme. You can find the links to everything that Chris mentions at desertedpodcast.com slash Chris or in your podcast app of choice. And we will see whether or not Customs Officer Matt approves with his stamp or disapproves with your choices. Chris, first of all, then, what is your website that you're taking to the island? My website, I've chosen London Reconnections or LondonReconnections.com if you prefer. Um, It's not road based. And I sat there and umdenard about taking road-based websites because I run a road-based website. Should I even take my own website? But that seemed a that seemed a bit obvious. So uh, no, I chose London Reconnections, which does blogging of the most in-depth, at-length, and forensic kind on transport in London and increasingly around the rest of the world. Uh, and it's fantastic. I get to indulge all the non-road side of my interests about railways and tube trains and oyster card use on buses and things like that uh, by going there. Why did you decide to choose that one for your time on the desert island? Is it your favourite number one website um, or you just thought it would bring something special to the island I don't while you are away? I don't think it's my favourite number one website. I think it it will be one of the ones I would miss if I didn't have access to websites to read them. Out of all the other things that I read, and I I read a lot of stuff online, and I you know I'm a member of forums and follow Twitter accounts and all that sort of thing to do with transport and roads news and you know transport economics and all that sort of thing. London Reconnections is the one that I look at, and I think I wish my website was a bit more like this because the the long form thing that they do is they write about things from a position of such authority it's i mean it's it's effectively journalism 
you know, but about detailed things. Or sometimes it's proper historical research and they write about it at great length and they write about it in detail and they write about it with authority and with wit and in this sort of, in this very sort of inclusive way that even if, you know, I don't know anything at all about railway signalling, I come to it as a complete outsider, but they write, you know, an extensive three-piece article on the the ins and outs of railway signalling on the Metropolitan Line and what that's meant for, you know, the, the service level over the years and how new trains will impact it when they're introduced next year. And it's fascinating, not because it's something that I know all about, but just because they write about it in such a way that something that I find sort of mildly diverting becomes um, becomes a, a, a source of entertainment for an hour or so. And so when I relaunched my website earlier this year, I, I introduced blog posts and my blog posts are quite long and the articles that I write are long and detailed and I have to confess that one of the reasons I did that was I looked at what I've been doing for the last 15 years and I thought this is all a bit 15 years ago. <laughs> These guys are doing a really good job at reporting a different area of transport but they're doing it um, in a in a way that is that is very now if that's not too naff a phrase they do it in a way that suits the internet today and I was still sort of banging out static pages of HTML and you know the articles were all a bit short and I didn't put my sources down and all that sort of thing um, they're really, really good at this stuff. They're, they have an extensive archive that I can go back and enjoy while I'm on the island. I can go back and reread things I read three or four years ago and I've forgotten all about. And uh, and I can sit there and have that sort of strange mix that I always have when I read their site of sort of quiet admiration and a, a little sparkle of uh, simmering envy in the background for the sort of the the, the achievement they have created. So this will probably become part of the whole theme of this particular podcast in that because your website, um, Chris's British Roads Database website. Directory. Directory. Yeah. There's no problem with getting it wrong. It's the world's worst name for a website. That That is about documenting things that you wouldn't imagine would ever be documented. Yeah. And so, in a way, that's why you're liking this website, because it's going into stuff that you'd never yeah. read about anywhere else. And it's also, because it's long form, it's going into the depth rather yeah. than it just yeah. being a, a factoid about something. Yeah, completely. Yeah. Um, and so you appreciate someone else kind of going into a very niche area. Yeah, I think that's part of it. I mean, I've spent years, I, I say until early this year, I, you know, my articles weren't very long and stuff. That's not quite true. I've written all sorts of long form pieces. Uh, they don't tend to generate the stir that London Reconnections does. It doesn't pull in the audience that they do because more people like trains than like roads, unfortunately. I'm niche. They're not actually that niche. You know, you can buy whole magazines on this sort of stuff. I've spent years going into, you know, government archives and pulling out documents that haven't been looked at for 20 years and going through civil service memoranda and sifting through newspaper archives to pull out the these things that I write, you know, histories about, things that haven't been written about before, accounts of things that nobody else has ever thought to, to pull out and document. And some of it's really interesting, and it's it's quite nice to find other people out there who are doing it purely for the love of it, who are doing exactly that. I mean, that I'm sure they do exactly the same thing behind the scenes. They are doing all this first-hand research for themselves, not because they want to be famous or earn a, even earn a living in journalism, just because they want to find out about the subject and share it with people. They do run it on the side. It is not their real jobs. No. And I I looked on the site and they were on Patreon, which is a yeah. supporting website. Yeah. And they've got a fair few backers and they get themselves $271 per month. That's not bad. From their backers, which isn't enough, they say, to make it break even. Right. 
I think they're needing quite a bit more to I th- break even. I think their hosting costs are enormous because of the hits that they run. I mean, but like me, the they they also this is one of the other things I think commends them, and I say this. I acknowledge this from the outset. I say this from the position of someone who does the same thing and therefore fully approves of it. Um, but they run their site with no advertising on it. It's all completely free. There's no paywalls. It just appears and you can enjoy it and there's no cost to you. And sure, they have the you know, the, the Patreon thing so you can subscribe to it. Clearly, they don't quite get as much out of that as they hope. But they still just, you know, it's just there for you to have. That's what I've always tried to do as well because I think that's important. I think um, there might not be a market for these things, but there's still a value in finding them and sharing them. I think that's, uh, I think noble is probably too smug a word to use, but there's something very worthwhile about that, I think. And I quite like going there and seeing it and supporting it just by, you know, sharing it with other people and and singing its praises. They do release their own magazine called Overgrounded, I found on their site, every other month. Yeah. Do you subscribe? I do subscribe. I think every other month is probably a bold claim for that (laughs) one. I think I subscribe to the first six bi-monthly editions in uh, possibly summer 2016, and I'm still waiting for number six. Or was it summer 2015? I can't remember now. Yeah, they they come out ever so slightly less than every two months, but it, it is very good. It's not just stuff off the website. They do even more of the original journalism and stuff. And um, they appeal to meet up for a drink yeah. every month. Imagine. Ever done any? Ever done that? No, I haven't. That's always felt a bit too much like diving in with both feet. And I'm, I'm, I, I try and cling on to the fact that I am roads. I don't do railways as much as I might read it, and I'm interested. I'm not so geeky that I am that deep into two whole areas of transport enthusiasm. I think one is enough for anyone. Mm-hmm. And I do meetups with other roads people. You see, I don't think. I don't think at this stage I'm ready to commit to that level of, you don't of want train and railway enthusiasm. I think that's a Pandora's box that I, I don't think I'd benefit from opening that one. But okay. how amazing that they can pull together a crowd of you know people like me who are a little bit afraid of daylight and other people and, and get them together in a pub and have them talk to each other. I mean, I, I know from meetups with other road people, you know, we all turn up and have a go and things, but it's, a, it's an effort to get to that point. So, you know, right. there's something there. Um, if you do support them on Patreon, uh, one level means that you do get a free pint at do these uh, meetups, which has got to, again, thinking about, e- isn't e- it? eat into their uh, <laughs> profits. Um, so it's no wonder they're not sustaining themselves. No wonder yet. they're only just breaking even. Exactly. Okay. It. I mean, it is an odd, it is an odd choice. You do have access to Wikipedia by default. Yes. So that should help you out with anything that you find on the island, you know, eat it or don't eat it. Yeah, you see, I thought I've got a reference source there, but also on the front page of Wikipedia, they cover today's news stories as well. So actually I thought, do you know what? I, I don't need to go too far down the route of what's happening in the wider world. I could probably scrape together enough of that from what Wikipedia seems to be doing. So I went somewhere else. All right. I've got, I might have a lot of time to pass on this island. You might, know. yeah. I might. You might. I can't see it doing you any harm on the island, which is another thing as part of our care system here at the customs <laughs> office. Uh, and you'll note it on the disclosure form that you'll have to sign at the end. So I can't imagine it doing you any harm. So I've got to approve it. Oh, thank heavens. It is in. One thing in. One thing in. Soon we'll be finding out the rather odd choice of Twitter feed from our guest, Chris. (laughs) (laughs) 
which I've got written down here again, the why question. So <laughs> we will find out what that is uh, shortly. But first, what is it that you're going to stick into your ears or have come out of our musical coconut whilst you're on the island? What is your podcast choice? This was another difficult one. I listen to a lot of podcasts. I'm a, I listen to them on the way to work. I listen to them on the way home. I listen to them in the car now. I've got my exciting new car radio I can plug my phone into. Podcasts go everywhere. So the question is not what shall I take, it's which one of them do I take. And I don't listen to music podcasts, so I couldn't really choose a music podcast because I'd just be picking something I don't normally listen to, and that seemed weird. So I um, I sifted through my podcast subscriptions to choose one that I thought would bring me... I mean, I, I don't... What is the... I, partly I'm choosing this blind, you see. I'm sort of hoping I'm going to get to this island and maybe there'll be some lovely white sand beaches, maybe there's some sort of shelter already there and I'm killing time. If I'm actually out there sort of hunting wild boar mm. with a spear and spending every living moment trying to stay alive, maybe these are all terrible choices. Um, but I, I've, again, done this because uh, this is something that is both entertaining and it's also interesting and I have to be interested in something i have to have something to think about because i hate being bored i've got to be busy all the time and the next best thing to being busy is being interested um so i chose radio lab which is probably not a great surprise you might even have had it before it's a hugely popular uh podcast it's american made by wnyc i think in new york yep. comes out of a radio show there and it's sort of nominally, I think it's supposed to be sort of exploring science and the world, but they it, they kind of touch on anything and everything, really. It calls itself a show about curiosity. Yeah, Would which you I say guess that it is. Sums yeah. It up? yeah, I think so. Yeah, they 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 almost pick a question in every episode and go out and find the answer. But it's not just the the things that they decide to find out about that are amazing. I mean, they've covered things like the nature of silence. Uh, they went right back to the 1940s, I think, or the 1950s, and found uh, a, a, the, the descendants of a, a, a woman who died of cancer in the late 1950s, from whom the initial cells were taken that are now used to grow and do tests for virtually every medicine we do. And so her death in the late 1950s allowed, they calculated, tens of millions of people to live by the medicines that were developed with her biological material. Things like that that you would never even think you'd be interested in. And they find these stories and bring them to you in a way that's accessible and understandable. And... I mean, I, because I work in radio, I'm I'm also interested in the the sort of the technical side of it, and the sound design in Radiolab is just incredible. The the inventive ways they find to convey things, you know, having um, music specially composed to illustrate something about the nature of cell division or something, or you know, the 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 nature of radioactivity as a, a sort of a sonic backdrop to a, a a voiced explanation of something. You come away from it, and it's not like listening to a radio program. It's like a whole experience. I mean, I guess in a way, that is one way to sort of transport yourself away from the desert island if you find yourself getting a little bit stir-crazy there. It will take you somewhere else. You shut your eyes, and you are just in this world that they create. It's amazing. I'd certainly say that because um, it is a kind of American public radio yeah. type podcast, they do seem to be all over the place now yeah. in terms of podcasts. Yeah. And and I think certainly in the UK, because we've obviously got Radio 4 that do science-y type programs yeah. and things like that, but the way in which they tell their stories is different from the way the BBC would say tell its stories. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that's what's 
kind of certainly woken people up to it in the UK is 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 the sound is the sound design as well as the way that they they tell the story and the way they link in and out of the different interviews with people yeah right you know rather than saying their name then they capture them off a bit of earlier tape where they're just taking their coats off and they're saying their name and all they're yeah. saying what they, they had what they, they find had a breakfast. whole different way of doing things to the to the conventions that you're used to i mean when i was um first put onto it somebody recommended it to me i wish i could remember who and i downloaded one and i was on the train to work listening to it and i put it on and within the first five minutes I, it was the first time it was just bewildering because it's not like a radio program that you're used to and they they do this thing which i found intensely irritating for the first episode but i'm used to it now where they kind of speed the story up so if they if they interview somebody they will say, I spoke to so-and-so to find out about this. And then you'll have so-and-so's voice going and going, yeah, well, we were in Denver in 2015. And then they just fade it out. And the reporter comes back and goes, so they were in Denver and then this thing happened. And it's just sort of a way of speeding the story up. And the other guy will come back a bit later. And I find myself sitting there on the train going, just let them talk. Um, but it's the more you get into it, the more you find that it's quite ingeniously assembled to lead you through a story in a very rapid space of time and in a very engaging way and often jumping between things very rapidly. It's not done how you expect it to be done, but it is really, really clever storytelling. It assembles a whole picture or an argument in your head in a way that just playing the interview on its own would never do. It's really clever stuff. I'm sort of a bit jealous of it as someone who works in radio. I find myself thinking, God, that's clever. And I think also... Because podcasts are mainly listened to, mostly listened to with headphones on. Yeah. Uh, certainly in any research I've seen about podcasts, the way that they do their, they're, they're very close up. And they, <laughs> hello. And they're quite whispering. Quite close in on Radiolab. Exactly. And so that, in a way, is more intimate. And because, you, because you've got your ears on, it's not shouty. Yeah. Because it doesn't need to be, because it's in your ears, it's in your head. Yeah. And, and... Also, if you're doing it, certainly if you're working in London and you're on the tube and things like that, then you can close your eyes as well to really yeah. get into it if the sound design's there and it, and it really take you off on, a, on an adventure. So I think it's good in terms of mental health because if you do find that you are getting uh, crazy and fed up with the constant bites from the midges and things like that, oh, no. you can... Um, Close your eyes, take yourself off. There's 15 seasons available, so plenty to listen to. Yeah, I haven't listened to the whole back catalogue, so there's plenty to entertain me. We have no idea what the bandwidth is like in terms of it okay. coming down, but uh, it's it's not that long. They're not that long in no. terms of they're not rambling. No. So I think I could download the first right. one, and after that, I can just, you know, download them in the background while I'm yeah. listening to them. Yeah. That's fine. I'm not worried about that. Okay. Radio Lab. There's, I mean, there's no restrictions on the choice of podcasts, so it doesn't um, it doesn't break any rules here. I think I'm going to go with it. It's a very well-known yes. podcast. It's very, very well listened to in the charts. So, you know, thousands can't be wrong. So it's going in That's Radio Lab at radiolab.org from WNYC Studios is Chris's podcast choice. Links to all of these are in your podcast app of choice, or you can go along to the website, which is desertedpodcast.com slash Chris. So then, the book we will go on to shortly, which again is transport-related. You'll <laughs> yeah. notice this Yeah, theme. just about, yeah. Um, a mixture of radio and transport in this, which are Chris's 
favourite things. <laughs> so this one is going to be a bit random because yeah, it's neither I'm... transport <laughs> nor is it yeah. radio. This is going to take some explaining, isn't it? So I'm, I've got two out of five so far. I'm I'm not convinced this one's going to go through as easy as the last two did, but we'll see. I have the Twitter handle here and it won't give you any clues <laughs> if I tell you what it is. It is at T-M-B-O-T-G. Chris, what is it? Uh, this this is, uh, is this is a really off the wall thing because for a start, it's not even a person; it's a bot. Uh, hence the the bot in the Twitter handle. So it's not even a real person talking about things. It is uh, an automated bot that just churns out tweets every so often, and it publishes random extracts from lyrics of songs by They Might Be Giants, the American band. Hence TMB OTG. They might. Be giants, but with bot inserted in it. Um, so I, I should probably explain why I've chosen this. Is that where? Is that your? Yes, please. Right. Okay. Uh, so I'm picturing myself on this desert island, and I'm thinking about what I will have available to me. And it is important to have music. I like having music in my life, and I like all sorts of different kinds of music. And I thought about how I might might be able to listen to music on the island and the problem that I've got is that I won't be able to take anything with me on which I can listen to music maybe I could have sorted that out with a gadget but mm-hmm. I will come on to that later I don't believe having looked through the small print there's no radio I can listen to on the island there doesn't seem to be some sort of you know house band no. there so I've got a real problem with finding some music to listen to uh, and as I said, the podcasts I listen to, none of them are music-based, so I couldn't bring a music-based podcast. So I've got a real shortage of music here. So uh, I tried to think laterally about this, and I was going through the Twitter feeds that I follow, and I was having real trouble with choosing a Twitter feed. And in the end, I found the solution to both those problems in one, because I couldn't find a single Twitter feed that I would want to take on its own in isolation that would be of any value. And in the end, I alighted on this. If I can't take music with me, Matt, I will take the lyrics of my favourite band with me and I will just sing them to myself. And as the tweets come through, they will remind me of all the songs that I know and I will think, oh, that's a good one, and I can walk around the beautiful white sand of the island humming the tunes for myself with my memory prompted. That is the plan. Okay. I was going to ask whether or not you actually liked the music of Fame. I do. Yeah, they are my absolute favourite band. I'm slightly obsessive about them. Um, So I know a lot of... I mean, they've got a huge back catalogue. They've got something like 17 or 18 studio albums now. Um, And this just churns out a random few lines from a random song from somewhere in all of that. Uh, But I thought that is a more or less endless source of music that I know I always enjoy and I can sing most of it or hum most of it for myself. I mean, nobody else wants to hear my singing. It's awful. But if there's only me, that doesn't matter, does it? No. So that's fine. And it might help repel things as well. If there's any uh, vicious wild animals on the island, the sound of me singing would probably... Be enough. Probably see them off before they get too close. So when it went through the customs office computer... We we had a look at the regularity of tweets. Yeah, seems to be roughly eight to ten tweets a day. It can yeah. be. Yeah. So you're going to have enough material, aren't you? To yeah, I think going. so. I mean, it's like when you get a song stuck in your head. I mean, you know, one song stuck in your head will keep going around your head all day long. Eight to ten songs in a day. I mean, that's quite it's quite varied. Mm. That's like listening to an album in a day. Have you had any repeats? 
of the songs they come out with. Yeah, I think I've seen the same lyrics come around right. once or twice. But they've got so much to go from. I mean, it is random, so the same one could come around. No, I think I'll be fine. I'm not worried about that. Okay. This is a this is an uphill case to to convince you of the merits of this particular choice. I'm feeling that. <laughs> I expected um, that, in fact, walking in here. Yeah, I've, I... Uh, what I'm concerned about is if you imagine your choices as a diet, <laughs> what I'm concerned about is that maybe this is all just too much protein and not enough fibre and things. Right, okay. So I'm, con- you know, individually, these items, they're absolutely fine and and would be approved all day long. I'm just thinking that when it comes to going through the door, whether the collection of stuff that you've got is is going to be a, be okay for you. You see, I'm having trouble seeing how I could have chosen a Twitter account that would have, for example, helped me set up an irrigation system to start growing my own crops for survival purposes or, or that I could have hollowed out to make a canoe and go fishing, for example. Doesn't so, Bear Grylls talk about that? What, or? hollowing out a Twitter account to turn into a <laughs> canoe? Well, maybe he does. Maybe I should follow Bear Grylls, but I don't currently follow him. Right. Uh, so I, I can't vouch for the survival tips that he tweets out. Okay. Um, and I, my fear is when you, you know, when you say that this is the wrong diet of things, my fear is that perhaps I've been set up from the start here because none of the things that I regularly read or listen to are geared up to help me survive in a wild environment because that's just not the life that I live. (laughs) Okay. So maybe when I go rifling through my wardrobe to find a machete and a packet of coconut seeds that I can take out with me, you don't even have seeds, they're nuts, but you know what I mean, Then, then maybe the cupboard is bare for that sort of stuff and that is why I turn up here offering you an automated Twitter account that churns out lyrics. All right. So, what could I do given the resources I have? We're we're gonna go. We're gonna go with approved, and we are gonna have to see save the question for for the end. So, uh, we're going with approved on the Twitter feed. Thank you very much. TM bot G TM B O T G. It's a Twitter bot tweeting random chunks of they might be giants lyrics. Is Chris's choice? to get him through the days and days or day that he will spend on the island. (laughs) Right. Gadget or device is not going to help your survival. (laughs) We will deal with that in moments. Let's figure out the book. So it could be a printed book or an e-book, but not a periodical. So you couldn't have those magazines that come through. There's only five of them so far, so they, they never stood a chance. This book from our research seems to be hardcover only, not available in electronic Quite possibly, form. yeah. What is your book? Uh, it's The Z to Z of Great Britain by Dixie Wills. So this caused uh, a lot of amusement in the office today <laughs> as we went through it and we found the... Did you find a copy to read? We came very close to buying a copy. Wow. The paragraph of information I've got to distill to you, dear listener, is from Zorn Organ, Cornwall, to Zor in Shetland via Zeon Place in Somerset and Zulu Farm, Oxfordshire. The Z to Z of Great Britain provides an essential profile of each and of every Z locale in the land and thoughtfully instructions on how to get there. Yes. Would you say that sums it up? That does sum it up. Yeah, that's exactly what it is and what it does. Why are you t- Why are you taking it to the to the island of Zulu? Uh, 
or whatever you want to call My, it. Uh, no, we should give it a name beginning with a Z. That would be entirely appropriate. Um, when I had to choose a book to take with me, my mind went straight to this one for the very simple reason that it is possibly my favourite book. Uh, to the extent, I mean, I, I read quite a lot and I've got bookshelves full of stuff. I like having books and buying books and reading them and I like keeping them when I've read them on my books. So picking a favourite is tricky, but uh, this is the one that I've come back to more often than any of the others. There is no substance to it. Well, no, that's probably not fair. I shouldn't say that. But it's, it's not like taking war and peace and going on this terrific sort of, you know, soul changing journey led by some of, you know, one of the world's greatest narrators. It's not that sort of book, but it brings me such great pleasure. I don't know how long my stay on the island is going to be, but I have never yet tired of picking this book up and reading a bit of it. It just does the job for me every time. It's wonderful. In the lightest and silliest and most comforting of ways. So I, it's it's not precisely what it claims itself to be, because it is a guide to all the places in the UK that begin with a Z. And there are quite a few of them, but a limited number. But it's it's a guide to all of those places. Which, and the conceit of it is that it is written like a travel guide, like a sort of a, you know, AA best hotels or something. But it's written in the absolute certain knowledge that you, the reader, will be travelling to each and every single one of them. You will be going. You need to know everything about them because you're not going to miss a single one out. Uh, it is fairly certain that you're going to be going by tricycle a lot of the time. Um, it's insistent on telling you what they will and will not collect on the green bins in each location. Um, and half the places it goes are just sort of a, a, a piece of rock sticking out of the sea just off the Cornish coast or something. Some uninhabited lump of something that has an ancient pagan name or a farm in the middle of Somerset or something. And it sounds like it could be absolutely nothing to read at all. But I've got a number of books by Dixie Wills. Uh, in fact, I went to a, a couple of his book launches a few years ago. So I have met him a couple of times as well. And he is so skilled in weaving something out of nothing and so you read this thing and there is absolutely nothing to write about any of these places and so of course it's not really about whatever there is there at all it's just about whatever else might have caught his attention there's one where there just happens to be an orange life boy lying on the beach and it turns into the i think it's the the boy of significance and it describes the the effect this thing will have on your life and its activities at high tides and its significance in history and all this sort of thing or uh, it describes for a lot of them the role they played in the civil war and things like this and it just it's so light and so silly and I prize silliness very highly I think we need more silliness <laughs> in the world it's it's harmless and it's fun and it lifts your spirits and that is precisely what this book does every time I pick it up it's just uh, it's just a world of joy from start to finish okay the other books that we saw include other ones by Dixie Wills are Tiny Islands yes. 60 Remarkable Little Worlds Around Britain <laughs> Tiny Stations and this one, which sounded intriguing, called At Night, A Journey Round Britain from Dusk Till Dawn. I haven't seen At Night. I've read the other two. Tiny Islands is an actual... Tra it's contrary to the Z to Z, it's a, it's a genuine guide where you can go and stay on islands. And it's an actual travel guide. Um, Tiny Stations is one I went to the book launch for. And uh, embarrassingly, you put the details on 
of his book launch on Twitter and said, if anyone would like to come along, let me know. And so I went, oh, I'll come along. And I took an entourage of myself and two other friends and we were the only people there who weren't either him, his family or someone to do with the publisher. Uh, And he ran a sort of pub quiz at the event, which we won. And so we took away this wealth of prizes and a a sort of a vase that he had that he had um, modified to include the tiny stations book cover on it, which I still have at home and I put flowers in from time to time. So tiny, uh, tiny stations is the one where I more or less gate crashed his book launch and then took away all the things he'd brought. Um, uh, no, tiny stations. I would also highly recommend. It's all—it's a load of request stops where you have to stick your hand out to make the train stop, and sometimes he spends anything up to a day in them. And it's exactly the same thing of just weaving something out of absolutely nothing, uh, and it's a joy. I would recommend any of them. But the Z to Z of Great Britain is my pick. I think it's a—I think it's a great pick. This is interesting. When when you were concerned I wasn't getting enough fibre earlier, I'm not sure this is any more serious or more survival related than anything else. Why do I get stick for the other ones, but this one's a shoo-in? I've given up your uh, (laughs) diet. (laughs) Because I'm not sure... Is my survival a write-off? Is that where you go? (laughs) I'm not sure you're going to spend much time on the island. (laughs) So I at least... Does that mean I'm leaving, or do you just mean I'm not going to go the distance and I'm going to (laughs) be... I'm going to be collapsed on a beach. I think I think you are going onto this island and you will just be completely oblivious to, <laughs> to the situation that you find yourself in. That's my plan. You'll be in your own merry world and then something's going to, I don't know, a coconut's going to fall from a tree, <laughs> knock you out and that'll be it. I don't do well in the wilderness. I need my creature comforts and if I can't have them, I need distracting from the fact that there's no nice duvet and, and radiator and, and all the other lovely things at home. So, yeah, that's more or less my plan, I think. So I'm, I'm going with approved. I can't say it's disapproved. It will be interesting and will make you laugh for the time that you'll get to read it. So that is approved stamp on the book. So then... For this, the time that is... I'll get to read it feels a bit ominous, but thank you. <laughs> this is your time to now redeem yourself in the eye yes. of the audience. yes with a very practical gadget or device. (laughs) It cannot be a computer, a mobile phone, or other broadcast communications or internet access device. What is it going to be? Well, those rules are the problem, you see. Yeah. So I look at the list of things I'm allowed to bring onto the island, my list of five things, and try and work out what they're all going to be. And you tell me that my gadget or device can't be... Effectively, it can't be a computer and it can't be a phone. It can't be some method of communication. So as far as I can tell, I can't take a radio with me. That's not going to work. I can't take my computer with me. And the problem I've got is that I used to have all sorts of little gadgets and things that might have been handy or useful. I might have had a compass that I could take with me or I could have had, I I don't know, all sorts. I could have taken a camera with me and practiced my photography on the island. Mm -hmm. All of those things have been replaced by my phone. Because that's what phones do now. And I find myself looking around my life trying to find a gadget and I find nothing that would be of the remotest use on a desert island. I mean, you know, maybe you're thinking, oh, take your take your Swiss army knife. I haven't got a... Do I look like a man with a Swiss army knife? So I have no gadgets that I'm allowed to take with me that would be of the remotest use. I can't think of one that I could take that would be of any use. So I have chosen one that will be of no use whatsoever but will still bring me great joy to have with me. Okay. Uh, And it will perform its task equally well on a desert island, just as it does at home. 
So there is no diminution in the level of service when I take it away and it gets sand inside its components or whatever because it doesn't do anything anyway. So um, I'm looking at it now. Yes. And it is, it it's taking up the whole of Bob's chair. Yes. It's that big. It's this big. It's here. What I can see it's of some electronic or former electronic use. Yeah, it was at some stage. Um, it is a PA8 slash 378 slash 104 source selection module. What, you tom- one of those tomato, <laughs> salad cream, mayonnaise? <laughs> no, no, no. Source as in uh, as in the the source of something, as in as in the you know something you something you might pick up a source for uh, uh, for a book or, or for some research or something. In this case, um, it is a modular component of a long-since decommissioned audio mixing desk right? Uh, of a type that I used to use in a former life. Okay. Um, so many, many years ago, uh, I worked for um, the BBC World Service mixing radio programmes back in the days when they were based at a building called Bush House in central London, which was... In those days, in its last four or five years before they decommissioned the building and moved elsewhere, it was a bit like working in a museum of ancient audio equipment uh, because they knew they were leaving the building. There was no point replacing anything. There was very little point spending any money on things. You would find that if something broke, they would just sort of put a neat label on it that said broken and that would be that until the move-out date, you know, for years in advance. And so we were still using things in that building which would have been considered a bit old hat for a museum exhibit in some cases. And one of the things that we used to use were a type of mixing desk that was so old it had been designed and built by the BBC in-house. So not bought from some manufacturer, but screwed together by men smoking pipes in brown coats in some workshop somewhere in a BBC building to their own specification. And these things looked like they'd been made out of recycled battleships just after the war. They were all sort of gunmetal grey and clunky bits of hardware and the front of them had a sort of a... Uh, a wooden front on it that would all be kind of flaking away because it was so old with hazard tape covering the splinters and things like that. Uh, But for all their age and their decrepitness, they were some of the loveliest bits of audio equipment I've ever worked on because they did precisely the thing they were meant to do and nothing else. And everything was so close at hand. And the best thing of all about them was in an era where we have iPhones and touchscreen technology and, you know, your Sky Remote at home has a little pad on it and you talk to the, you know, your Alexa or whatever. And and technology now is so seamless as to be almost just like waving your hands in the air like Tom Cruise in Minority Report. These, these mixing desks came from an era when technology was tactile when you pressed a button and it went clunk and you could be damn sure you would press the button because you felt it move and you could hear it uh and i i love technology of that era i sort of miss the fact that there is nothing much in my life now that makes such a satisfying sound as some of the things on these bits of kit did so when the building was decommissioned uh i found this on ebay for a tenner and i thought well i'm having that and it, uh, it sits on my desk, completely disconnected from anything else it would ever have been connected to. It is never going to do anything else again. In fact, if you look at the back of it, it did come with a great big uh, wedge of cables coming out of it, which I've unceremoniously sawn off because I'm never going to plug it into anything. And they, 
they added about a ton to the overall weight of the thing. And it's just this lovely selection of knobs and controls and dials that have no purpose. But when I'm sitting at my desk trying to write an original long-form article about something that nobody else in the world has ever thought to write about, and I'm suffering writer's block, I can just sit here and twiddle some knobs and press some buttons, and it's nicely distracting. So would you like me to take you through it before we... Discuss its merits. I think you need do, to understand the merits of this. Do some twiddling okay. and some clicking, maybe. Okay, all right. So we have... Um, I'll start off at the at the bottom end here. We have five of these lovely switches here. They're white and triangular. And they latch up there. And they sort of... They click down in that direction. A bit like a Morse code And then spring back machine. out. Yeah, a little bit like that. You could sort of tap out messages, or you can flick them up and they just latch nicely and sort of satisfyingly up there. They're very pleasing. Uh, And then there's a row of five of these dials, and these have three positions, and they have the most almighty clunk to switch between positions. They're quite... You can switch them twice at once as well. They're very satisfying. And then the top are a set of rotary dials with, gosh knows, about 20 positions on them, which would have selected the incoming audio source to your fader, hence a source selection module. And these spin freely with the most lovely... I mean, you can't feel this on a podcast, obviously, but it sort of it drops into place for each of these positions as you turn it in the most pleasing of ways. I mean, I would encourage you to have a go yourself and, and see what you think the feel of it the, is like. The top knobs there that you're, yeah. tw- you're twiddling remind me of the game Countdown, I think it was called, where you had red and yellow li- little round Was this like counters. a board game? Well, it it was upright, a bit like kind of you would play battleships or something, and you had yeah. to bring you had to bring the red and yellow bits down by twisting. So it kind of it kind of had a little claw, and you twisted it round, and then a little pellet oh, would turn, and then yes, you'd move it, it around it again. Like that. Yes, I remember that. And you'd move it around again. Yeah, that, that's what they remind yeah. me of in terms of the thing coming out to enable you to twist it round. Yeah. Except that that would enable you to have a little thing drop into it and you could turn it and then it would fall out, whereas these do literally nothing now. They do nothing yeah, now. Yeah, nothing at all. Just sort of, they just turn pleasingly. I suppose if I was to be cruel, which sometimes the <laughs> customs officer is, the thing that sprung to mind yes. was a very large fidget cube. Yes, it is a bit, yeah. Um, That's the purpose it has on my desk now. It is that's that's what it's doing for yeah. you. Is it's giving you something to do to potentially take your mind off things. Yeah, while you're trying see, to come up with something to write. You'll see the theme here that I've basically picked five things that will take my mind off the fact that some cruel person has marooned me on a desert island where I won't know how to fend for myself and I'm probably just going to perish in the most awful of circumstances. So what I really need here are some distractions, and this always sort of distracts me and takes my mind off things in a, in a productive and helpful way. I mean, for something that does nothing, it does me an awful lot of good. Good. Well, we had the, we had the diet episode halfway through, <laughs> and since then I've just given up. Um, so I, I'm going with approved. I've got a question here, but I know the answer because it's not going to help you on the island at all, apart from <laughs> taking your mind off things. Well, actually, you know, if it's fairly, you know, it's fairly sizable. It's made out of some fairly big lumps of metal. I could whack something over the head with it. It's got sharp corners and some weight to it. I mean, I could use it as a blunt instrument in mm. extremis. Okay. Um, so we're going with approved. It's probably one of the 
weirdest things that we've ever allowed onto the <laughs> island. A channel source selector module from a DK419 audio mixing desk. I don't know what the chief is going to think of that when I put the form through. But hey, we will, <laughs> uh, we will just have to stick it through. Um, so they are Chris's choices at desertedpodcast.com slash Chris or your podcast app of choice. There won't be an Amazon link to that channel source selector module because it's not made anymore. No, you'll have trouble getting hold of one. Uh, I think I know. The, <laughs> I think I know the answer to this. Do you think you're going to enjoy your time on the island? Well, uh, it, it depends what the island is like, and what is what I find disappointingly lacking about going into this process and being deposited on this island. As nice as experience as it is, sitting here and talking to you as I go through customs is that there is very little information that prepares me for what the island is going to be like when I get there. So it sort of depends on what I find when I go through the door and step out onto this onto this island on my own. So if I go out there, and let's say there is this lovely white, and this is what I'm hoping for, lovely white sand beach, there's palm trees, perhaps some previous inhabitant has set up some nice kind of shelter on the beach made out of driftwood, you know, maybe it's got a hot tub and a balcony and a deck chair, uh, you know, maybe there's a, a plentiful supply of coconuts and fruit on the trees to eat, then uh, I'm going to be really happy. I can I can sit there and drink my coconut milk and I can read my website and my book and I can sing my songs and listen to my podcasts and click all my dials around and everything's going to be really... I'm going to have a great time. You know, by the, when you turn up and go, right, time's up, but, you know, you better go, I'm probably not going to want to leave. If, on the other hand, I step out there and it is the full Bear Grylls experience, you know, there are wild animals making terrifying noises in the jungle all night long, there's nowhere to shelter, the monsoon rains are coming, there don't appear to be any sources of food, and if I want to eat anything, I have to kill it first... Um, then I'm probably just going to be mildly distracted from a state of hysteria by these five objects uh, before I meet my terrible end. Um, so it, it depends very heavily, really, on what's through that door. And well, that's what's going through my mind at this stage as, as we come to the end of my time in this well-built, fortified building and uh, I, I find myself wondering what environment I'm going to be in next. I'm hoping for the former, in which case it's going to be lovely, Matt. Okay. It's going to be like a big, long, extended holiday and I'll be very happy indeed. Right. Well, let's hope that that's the case. I'm hoping so. Thank you ever so much for uh, agreeing to come through the customs office. And uh, I do hope you do enjoy your stay. It's been a pleasure so far. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Deserted. To listen to previous episodes, either subscribe in Apple Podcasts, your podcast app of choice, or head to desertedpodcast.com. Please leave a review on iTunes, and if you want to send a message in a bottle with feedback, or you would like to be on a future episode, send it to customs at desertedpodcast.com. Desert.